Hello, everyone, and welcome to Speaking with Joy, a podcast to fill your soul, challenge your mind, and make you brave. I'm your host, Joy Clarkson, and an evangelist for all things good, true, and beautiful. So make yourself a cup of tea, find somewhere comfortable, and let's dive in to this week's episode. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to my Aggressively Happy podcast. Um, That's quite a way to open it, an Aggressively Happy podcast. (laughs) Um, We are exploring the themes in my book, Aggressively Happy, A Realist Guide to Believing in the Goodness of Life. And this week, I get to talk to one of the people who has been uh, my greatest, I do not think that is the exaggeration, mentor and cultivating joy in this weary old world. And that is my lovely mother, Sally Clarkson. Welcome to the show. I am so honored to be able to be with you today. Uh, Well, I'm excited to talk with you about um, this theme. Um, In the chapter itself, I talked a little bit about how I've always felt like a bit of a sensitive soul. I don't think people always notice that on the outside because I'm, you know, extroverted Mm -hmm. and gregarious, but that I've always felt like I kind of had a thin walls to my soul so that the joy and the delight and the color and the vibrancy of life slipped through, but so did kind of the the feelings of the darkness and difficulties of the world. And something that has always meant a lot to me is I think that we are in some ways quite alike. Mm-hmm. And you have been someone who has taught me how to, not just taught me how to, but been with me through the seas of sorrow. And I think that's so important is finding people who can be with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was uh, no one better that I wanted to talk to you about this. And this year, you just wrote a book mm-hmm. um, kind of on this theme. Can you tell everybody a little bit about that? Well, we, we do tend to um, flow in, in similar themes many <laughs> times in our lives. But as I was uh, looking at life in the past few years, I realized that I confronted more sadness and difficulty. I, I tend to want to cultivate joy and and look at the light, um, because I too can get very down and depressed. And um, I wrote a book called Help, I'm Drowning, Weathering the Storms of Life with Grace and Peace, because Grace and Hope, because I felt like when I was confronted by how much sadness there was in the world, whether it was in relationships or um, uh, marriage difficulties or difficulties being a parent or difficulties in ministry or writing or in my profession or just the world. It's mm. both with COVID and people dying and so many issues on our um, the horizons of our lives. I thought I wanted to write a book that gave people permission to know that being sad mm. or having storms or experiencing storms really did create havoc in, in our hearts. But that I look back and feel like God had brought me through each of these storms um, faithfully and that there was a way forward, but that also storms did have a purpose. So Mm -hmm. kind of both wanting to um, companion friends who maybe felt like they were alone Mm -hmm. or they were the only person who felt the devastation of life Mm -hmm. and also saying there is a way forward through the Mm -hmm. storms. I just love that. And I think that's one of the things. So I did two readings this week on the the arts bit. And one of the things that struck me about C.S. Lewis's Grief Observed and um, the other text that I assigned is that that when we experience something difficult in life, I think one of the fundamental 
feelings is just being lost, not knowing right. how to move forward. And so to feel that you can have someone with you and then someone who can kind of speak to you about how do you move forward, I think that's really helpful. So what are what were some of the things in the book? What were some of the kind of tools, not tools, but what were the compass and the storm that you would direct people towards if they're living through a time of a storm or a time of sadness? Yeah. Well, I think that the first thing I would say is that our emotions are neutral. They're mm-hmm. not negative. Uh, mm-hmm. In other words, if you feel sad, it's yourself telling yourself, this is really a terrible situation. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you're unspiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that you're wrong or weak. That, um, as you said earlier, Jesus was a man of sorrows. And um, I think it's significant that when the disciples, they'd been following him, they'd given their whole lives to him. They must have been thinking, I gave you everything and this is how you treat me, which is, I felt that (laughs) way before. Is this how you treat your friends, God? Yeah. And they basically said, don't you care that we're drowning? And um, I I love how real scripture is, Mm. that when we look at the stories, we find ourselves and uh, we find people who doubt and question and and shake their fists at heaven, and then we find people who feel guilty or mm. feel whatever. And so I would say that um, as a as I look back on my life, I don't think I was well prepared to understand mm. that living in this place, this fallen world, means that we will continuously uh, be surrounded by the darkness or the oppression of a life in rebellion to God. Mm. But that there also is beauty and goodness and light and ways forward so that we can actually um, just really understand the hope of God. I think I was so immature when Mm -hmm. I first started out that I thought I knew a lot, you know. (laughs) I was out to change the world all by myself. And then I feel like uh, it was as though, you know, God as my father said, okay, well, if you're really serious about becoming um, usable, then I need to mold your heart a little bit. And so I feel like I, I went through so many things from questions to doubt to shaking my fist to feeling guilty. to And I just wanted to unearth a lot of those common things that we mm. feel and say this is a part of life mm. and that there is hope that God will lead you forward to. And so that's kind of a summation. but mm. So why do you think, you know, both of us are... Uh, your first blog, when you first started blogging, you were doing it before, before it was cool. I know. What was the name of your first blog? Uh, well, I'll tell you the second name of my blog. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> my first one was a little bit um, questionable, but uh, accidentally. <laughs> accidentally inappropriate. Uh-huh. But um, I named my jo- my blog, I Take Joy. I, I am going to take joy if it kills me. <laughs> uh, I take Surprise joy. Surprise, everyone. I'm a kidnapped child. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I'll dance until I, uh, you know, I'm going to dance forever. Um, because I, I was going through a very difficult time in many different ways in my life. And that's one of the things I want to say. Uh, if you don't learn to accept the limitations of your story, mm-hmm. the limitations of your life, your family's life, your friend's life, you will never be able to make that a place of beauty Mm. and that's one of the things I realized but when I look back on I thought I don't want to become a victim of the dark places in my Mm. life but when I look back now I really realize that through a lot of the difficulty and some of it was very humbling um, God was molding my heart to love people better Mm. 
I think that um, that I have more compassion. God wanted me to be a compassionate person, but I had to feel mm. what it was like to be hopeless, to understand how to help people who are hopeless. I had mm. to feel what it was like to feel like a failure, uh, and we all do, before I could have compassion and say, you aren't a failure. God absolutely will never quit loving you. And so when I look back, God was preparing me to be much more usable by his spirit in the lives of other people because now I have more compassion, I have more love, I have more patience than I used to have when I thought I knew everything. And it it was through the means of suffering or accepting the reality of a difficult world that I really learned that there were things in the world worth rejoicing over. Hmm. I love that you talk about uh, it deepening your capacity for compassion because that word literally means, you know, come with uh, passion, which in the past meant to suffer. Mm-hmm. So it's it's suffering with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that um, it reminds me of, what's the story about the, the Velveteen Rabbit? Mm-hmm. That, you know, it's this toy that when it first comes, it's beautiful and... Perfectly clean. Perfectly clean <laughs> and everything's, you know, lovely. And then it gets loved by this little child and it gets thrown in the wash and it gets torn and it gets played with in the mud. And there's this sense that the, it's no longer pristine. It's no longer, um, you know, mm-hmm. ready to be sold from a store. But that it has been loved and it is soft and it is, you know... Mm-hmm. It's, well, it's, it even says in the book that... How does how does one become real? Mm. And it says, by the time you're real, um, your hair will be rubbed off. Um, you know, you'll. I mean, kind of what mm-hmm. you're saying. Yeah, but I feel like there's there's kind of an element to. I don't think we have to say necessarily that the bad things that happen to us are good. You know what I mean? Right. We don't we we don't have to look and say, well, God God wanted me to suffer. You know, I don't I don't think that's true. You always say to me, mm-hmm. we can't. God couldn't be tempted by evil, but. What we can say is that through living through life and through loving and losing and suffering and hoping and being disappointed, we can be like the Velveteen Rabbit that kind of becomes real, that we mm-hmm. we can become a source of comfort and love and gentleness for other people, mm-hmm. even if we're not pristine like we were out of the box when we came from the store. Well, do you remember years and years ago, you and I read a book together. Um, it was from Lucy Maud Montgomery, mm-hmm. and it was about World War One. Rilla of Ingleside. Rilla, that's what it was. Rilla of Ingleside. And she went through such a devastating year as a teenager. Mm. And um, she learned so much. And she basically came out of it. And she said, you know, at the uh, at the end of this year, I feel like I've become more the person I wanted to be. And then her friend said to her, well, if you had it to do over again, is this what you would choose? And she said, I don't think I would ever have chosen mm. to go through all of this difficulty but I certainly am grateful for what it has done in my life and in my heart. I think that's a big part of it is that um, we actually can't choose to make life easy. Mm-hmm. Like I think when you're young and and on top of the world, you think that you could just make better choices than everyone else, be smarter. <laughs> if you could just try more, pray harder, you would and never... you aren't going to make mistakes. You're not going to make mistakes. You do actually have all the apologetics answers that somehow everyone else missed. Um, and and there's this illusion that maybe you could just not be like everybody else and actually um, not encounter suffering. But the reality is, is that we all will encounter it. 
Mm-hmm. And so then the question is, what do we do with it? Do we just become catatonic and, and go under or do we try to press it down? So that's my question is, do you think, do you think that there's some element of, you know, both of us are people who are, you, you are the, the OG aggressively happy person. Um, <laughs> and, um, but do you think that there's an element of having to reckon with sadness or having to kind of grieve things oh, you yeah. lost that is necessary to being happy? Yeah, well, I mean, all these five-step programs or ten steps or whatever, (laughs) um, they say that you really can't heal or move forward until you have admitted to and accepted how sad something is. Mm. And there are issues in my personal life, and you know some of them, Mm. that I just didn't understand. I mean, I, I wish or I could have been... Or you wanted to pretend like they... Maybe they weren't as sad as I thought they were. Yeah, maybe they weren't as sad, or maybe I'm just having a hard day, or... Maybe I'm having a bad attitude. Right, maybe I'm having a bad attitude. And then I, there was a point at which I realized, oh, this is pretty sad, and it's never going to change. Mm. And I think that, um, you know, I, I would like to have been more perfect. I would like to have... Wouldn't we all? I would like to have understood things more. But I feel like it led me to realize that there are many people in my life who need compassion, mm. not because they're acting perfectly, but because they're still in the process of discovering what life is like, like I did. Um, but I, I do think, though, and you were the person who brought this quote to me to begin mm-hmm. with. They said it was Eleanor Roosevelt, but it really wasn't. <laughs> she was copying someone else. But um, the, she, or you told me that she said, mm. it is better um, to light a candle than to curse the darkness. Mm. And I finally realized in my own life that um, that I didn't want to be devastated by the darknesses that came into my life. Um, but in order to do that, I had to learn that the world is dark, mm. that the world is difficult. So you have that, to admit the room is dark before you light a candle. That's right. And, and also, I don't think you're really um, as useful Mm. Um, to people or to loving well or to living well unless you can first understand the reality of okay this is my story this is a hard part Um, this may never change if it never changes am I going to find a way to um, make this the place where Mm. I worship where I grow strong where I bring goodness and light and beauty Mm. and that was a kind of a whole life struggle for me Mm. as I so slowly learned to understand life Mm. Um, but I look back now and I, I feel like I was probably so spoiled when I was younger mm. that I would have been absolutely useless to the Lord. Um, and not that God is trying to use me, you know, as, as we both know, um, God is for us. He, he is championing us. He is right there with us in our sorrows. But I just feel like, uh, God wanted my soul to expand, to understand more, to understand that this is the fallen place and that many people have even more devastating experiences than I had, but that our hope is that we know the person who created light and beauty and goodness and song and feasting and that when we celebrate those things, which is kind of what your book is about, it's Mm. how to be aggressively happy, how to kind of fight for it, to Mm. cultivate it, because we are a people who thrive when we cultivate joy and when we have hope. Hope is a power that can lead you forward Mm. in life. I love that. I think that there's kind of, as we're talking, there's two 
two things that are standing out to me. The first is that you have to admit that the world is out of your control. Sad Real things happen. out of your control. <laughs> yeah, and it's okay to look at those and go, this is, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. I'm sad that it's this way. I wish it wasn't. I remember one time I had had kind of a difficult year and, and I was meeting with a mentor and I was just like, why am I upset? Like, is there something wrong with me? Am I mentally ill? And, and she said, because we had talked a while, and she said, so wait, when did this thing happen that was difficult for you? And I said, you know, about three months ago. And she was like, that wasn't that long ago. You just got to give yourself a little time. You're still Mm -hmm. sorting through the laundry, pulling it out, folding it, deciding what you want to keep, what you want to give away. So I think there's, there's a part of this that's just saying it's okay. It takes time. It takes time to grieve things that you, you don't have to beat yourself up. You're not ungodly, you know, go through the laundry basket, Mm -hmm. fold everything, put it away. Um, but then, and this is what you're talking about with, I take joy. There's this kind of turning from, okay, once I've done that, once I folded the laundry, once Mm -hmm. I've admitted life is not like I want, there's this, there's this great delight and power and being able to then kind of retrieve your agency. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, exactly. You, you always I use like the that. Word retrieve, agency. retrieve your agency. Yes, and then become um, a light bringer. So what are some of the first things you would say to somebody who's kind of coming out of that season of sadness? How do you begin to take joy or to be aggressively happy out of that season of sadness? Yeah, I think I realized that I didn't want to become a victim. Mm. Um, I, I, I had gone on a... Uh, a trip to Europe and we had worked in many countries at that point, Macedonia and Poland. And, um, remember we went mm-hmm. in the middle East yeah. uh, to Dubai and at almost every point I was meeting people who were really depressed mm. at kind of midlife crisis. And, um, I remember thinking, Oh my goodness, I, I do not want to feel like the rest of my life is going to be this way. And there's no hope. And that's when I started studying the whole concept of joy and, mm. and healing and being overcome. And um, so I feel like there is so much I could say about this, but there are several things. One is I started, I determined, I wrote down some determinations that helped me. And one is that I think whatever you practice, you become. It, it makes pathways in your brain. And I thought, you know, I want to start looking for the fingerprints of God. For the good things. Um, I want to develop a habit of being thankful. And um, and I also, and I wish I'd learned this earlier, I want to, so being thankful, looking for God's fingerprints. You know, when the sun rises in the morning, mm-hmm. when the sun sets, when the stars are out, when our little dog Darcy comes and acts like I'm the most important person <laughs> in the world. Or as uh, you know today, um, Lillian said, I'm going to miss you, Queenie, you know. <laughs> um, but to, to really store up those precious memories Mm -hmm. and secondly is I thought you know I I do want uh, to be a person who uh, somebody recently wrote me a letter and they said I realized from reading your book uh, Help I'm Drowning that I've been blaming other people Mm -hmm. and other circumstances for my own negativity Mm -hmm. and my own anger and she said what I realized in your book is that until I own my own story and put my finger on some of the things that have either hurt me the most or that are bad habits of ways of responding to life. So the second thing I think is be teachable. Um, Observe where you are flawed. Mm. Um, The third thing is I decided that I wanted to be a lover Mm. of people and provide and bless them. So they're, they're just, it helped me to have 
specific things um, that I could do, being thankful, um, being a lover, um, dealing little by little with my weaknesses. And I think that um, the more we perceive ourselves as light bearers in a dark world and write somebody a note, take someone mm -hmm. some cookies, serve them a cup of tea, whatever it is, you know, give them money if they need it. Uh, the more we perceive that as who we really are essentially in Christ, um, then the more I think we will become stronger in those areas. And um, there's a, it's a whole different way of thinking about life. Instead of looking at people and expecting them to meet your needs, it's developing a grid and saying, how can I meet other people's needs to be grateful, to, to celebrate life? And so I became a dancer, a better dancer in life. <laughs> well, and I will say that on a very practical level, one of the great memories of my childhood was that I could tell that sometimes when you would have a down day, the way you would react to it would be by going, you know what? Let's go to our favorite park or walk around the art museum or, and I think that there's... Or get cheeseburgers or and get french cheeseburgers fries. cheeseburgers and french fries. <laughs> the things we yep. didn't allow ourselves. And milkshakes. Mm -hmm. um, no, and so I think that one of, one of the great things that you're an artist of is finding ways to rejoice precisely when mm -hmm. it doesn't feel natural. And that's something I've been thinking about a lot is there are so many commands in scripture, commands mm -hmm. to rejoice. Wow. You know what I mean? It's not just descriptions of people rejoicing. It says, um, you know, Philippians, Paul says, rejoice, my brothers. And again, I say rejoice. For I, While he was in prison. Yeah, while he's in prison. <laughs> and he's saying, it is it is a pleasure for me to say this. And it's a safeguard to your faith. Um, or in the Psalms, when it says, um, sing a new song to the Lord. There's a sense that mm, that there's so this true. command to be joyful. And and um, and I think that that is... That is something that we can do is it's not a denial of sadness, but it's mm -hmm. an acceptance of it mm -hmm. and then a, a choice to make beauty and light in the midst of it. Mm -hmm. So I have an, another question for you, which is, um, and this will be my last one because mm -hmm. we've got things to do and places to be. <laughs> and things to eat. And things to eat. <laughs> yeah, we're oh, before glory. dinner time here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that is, what do you wish people had done for you when you were in those seasons of sadness? Which is another way of saying, how do you think as friends, as family members, we should come alongside people who are sailing the seas of sorrow, as it were? That's a great question. We could talk about that a whole other time. Mm. But um, I think that especially in some of our more difficult areas that our family bore as mm. a part of our history, um, I feel like people didn't want me to struggle or have uh, difficulties. They just don't want to admit that what no, you were say, describing oh, you're, is real. just you're just having a hard day or this is just a teenager or whatever. Mm. And I think I, I really wish that I had had people who would give me the freedom to enter and to, to really tell them some very dark things or difficult things that were happening. And for them just to accept it, take it seriously. Yeah, to say, I'm so sorry. That's that's deep yeah. and difficult. Yeah, and, and just to... to um, to be able to say, yes, I am good at this, and I hope that I encourage you in that, but I'm also devastated about this. If I think that people it, people are afraid to be sad. Mm -hmm. They're afraid to hurt. They're afraid to admit weakness. And so I would say one thing is, is listening, mm -hmm. asking questions, showing compassion. Mm -hmm. And then another thing is someone once when I was very, very down, um, said, I don't know what to do, but here's a certificate for a massage. <laughs> and just that massage, going and getting away and having a moment to myself and breathing in goodness, that changed me. Mm. And I think sometimes just very simple little acts of service, mm. at least to me, 
made me think, oh, they they do love me. They can't mm-hmm. change my circumstances, but they they do care for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so so true and beautiful. And I think makes me think two things. Mm-hmm. One is I think we have a really hard time holding tensions. Mm-hmm. And so I think something that was hard in our life was it was hard for people to hold the tension of you represent this happiness, this goodness, this hope. Mm-hmm. And that's real and true. Mm-hmm. And you're wrestling with really difficult things. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we... It's, and it's hard for you kids to be in the limelight, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, but I think that, that I think that our tendency is to not want things to be sad. And so we don't mean to, but we minimize other people's pain because we want them to be okay. Which yeah. is kind of a weird... It's like we, almost loving. Yeah, we kind of think, oh, well, maybe if I just pretend it's not there, they'll be okay because I want them to be okay. I love them. Yeah, but that actually <clears> makes <throat> things worse. Yeah, it does. So, so it makes you feel lonelier. It makes you feel lonelier. And feeling lonely in addition to being in pain is much worse than just feeling in pain. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then I think um, the other thing that it makes me think of, I you know, I told you a couple years ago I read the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Yes. And one of the things he talks about is how physical sadnesses Mm -hmm. you know we think about emotions sometimes almost like something that happens in our head and like you know Mm -hmm. inside out it kind of literally does in some ways take place in our head but he says that um the reason we have words like heartbreak or gut wrenching Mm. is because sadness (laughs) feels like heartbreak and Mm -hmm. your guts are wrenched and so in a funny way if we think about caring for the people or caring for ourselves that, that means we need to go, sadness isn't just something happening in my head, it's something happening to my body. Mm. And, and, and caring so for good. people through a massage or through a good meal or through doing things that are very practical and physical, I think, both in caring for Playing ourselves. Playing with their children so yeah. that they can get a break. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes people need to not have you talk about the sadness and just do something yeah. kind mm-hmm. and thoughtful. So thank you so much for talking with me about this. It really oh, means I, a lot. I do have to say this book is such a great book. It's well-written. It's encouraging. It's inspiring. Um, we were living <laughs> in the same place through a lot of it yes. during lockdown. We got, I got stuck in Oxford. You got stuck in Oxford because Scotland said, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't come in. And, <laughs> can't come back to your own home yeah. that you rent. <laughs> and, um, but I, I, I just feel like uh, it's a book for this time. Yes. Well, thank you, Mama. That means a lot to me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, Don't forget to pre-order your copy. Mm -hmm. And uh, join me next week when we will be discussing the theme of floundering well. So going through seasons when you don't know what is up and what is down. And uh, I'm excited to discuss that with you and then to discuss Dante. uh, Oh, wow. I know. I have a fun scholar coming next week who we talked about, Dante, who is a story of someone who finds themselves lost and confused, um, and ends up in heaven. So hopefully that's where we all find ourselves. (laughs) That would be great. Well, thank you everyone. And I'll talk to you next week. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this week's aggressively happy episodes. Don't forget to tune in next week and to pre-order your copy of Aggressively Happy, A Realist Guide to Believing in the Goodness of Life, which you can find wherever books are sold. Have a lovely week, and remember to rejoice though you have considered all the facts.